Hey, it's Shastin Rains, and welcome to Crosswalk Church. You're listening to Today's Presence, a podcast in which Pastor Tim hosts conversations about culture, daily life, and what the scriptures have to say. We desire to bring you encouragement and hope during this time. So once you finish this podcast, make sure to visit crosswalkvillage.com to find more information about our church and additional resources from our pastoral team. Welcome back, everybody. This is Sam and Tim, Tim Sam. Welcome back, everyone. I feel like we welcome. Got that. I feel like, oh, see, you messed it up. I thought we had gotten it pretty good. And then you did that second welcome. <laughs> I thought... I thought we got the moves down. This is like a dance, right? I like, think we're. This is like is, Ginger Rogers and Fred Astaire. Oh, we're we're as graceful as you went to the top of great graceful with club feet. We're and a degenerative <laughs> eye disorder. That's what we are. <laughs> degenerative eye. Where did you come up with that? I don't. I don't know. Uh, hey Sam, I got a question for you today. Yeah, we're going to talk about something pretty cool. So I'm pretty excited about it. But I got a question for you today. What podcast do you listen to? Besides oh. ours, I mean, I'm sure you go back every oh. time ours is released and re-listen yes. and remember the the. I listen to us once and I listen to us in, in a cringe. I usually have a, like facial exhaustion from cringing <laughs> so much after I'm done listening to us. Now, I, but you know what's really funny? I listen to us sometimes in a, a twice the speed. That's fun. Twice the speed. Oh, is that good? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's fun because you know usually we get through the superfluous stuff uh, quicker. You're at two twice the speed. Well, ne- like neither this one right of now, us. This right now. Yeah, this stuff. But neither one of us really have those like, you know, deep and sultry voices that would sound good. <laughs> speed it up. I mean, our voices sound a little janky to begin with. You know, I was listening to uh, my son Micah's voice the other day. Mm-hmm. <sighs> He's got a good voice. He does. How did no, that happen? Like deep in the soul. Like, yeah, how did that happen? There is no one in my family tree anywhere that has that deep. I, he's, I'm telling you, that guy, I told him the other day, you should think about a career that involves your voice somehow. Seriously. Yeah. Yeah. Because, I mean, well, he's already a musician. Ladies, you should get to know Micah. <laughs> Um, no, dude, your son, your son's actually incredibly talented, but when he talks, you're like, yeah, sounds like J- he from? sounds like Jay Fitz kid. <laughs> Jay Fitz, Jay Fitz kid. <laughs> By the way, do you know that I can hardly hear Jay Fitz's voice? Cause I have some, I have some, um, oh. it's called cochlear hydrops is the name. Mm-hmm. It's a weird thing. And I've lost 30% of my lower end hearing. Um, and so sometimes I can hardly hear Jay Fitz speak when he what, talks to me on the ears? phone. Yeah, mostly, mo- mainly in my right ear, but in, uh, some in my left, about 20% of my left. And um, Japheth's voice is so low that I sometimes just have a hard time hearing him, which mm. has come in super handy because I just get to ignore <laughs> him all the time. I'm like, what? I didn't understand. Since Japheth is an avid listener to, of our podcast, we know we're about to hear it. Does he even know that we no, do a podcast? I don't, I don't think, think so. He's got a clue. I don't think so. What, so, so what, what podcast do you listen to? I'd ask you. You haven't. well, you know, you suggested the the um, Phil Vischer's uh, Holy podcast Post. the other day. Holy yeah. Post is is really great. So, but I've been a, a big fan of stuff you should know for years. Um, oh. That's kind of my jam. Uh-huh. Um, you a hardcore history fan? With oh, Carlin? hardcore! Yes, he hasn't come Those out are, with one in a while, has he? He has not, but listen, you can listen to his old stuff. It's those are journeys, hours long journeys. Dude, the one that I'm a fan of is Prophets of Doom. Have you listened to that one yet? Oh, 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, about the Anabaptists? Come on. Yes. It's, it it's made me good. question why we're so like, we're Anabaptists. Like, well, did you? Not really. <laughs> Let's maybe not. <laughs> they crazy. Um, yeah, so so that one's good. Um, do you listen to 99% Invisible? All the time. I'm a huge fan of Roman Mars. Yeah. And his voice is magnificent too. Yeah, no, it's great. Yeah. It's good. I, you know, I'm going to, maybe I shouldn't say this, but I listen to Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend. That's right. I've, you've told me this before. Yes. It's, That's a fun one. It's a fun one. As a pastor, yeah. can I, I don't know if I can <laughs> re- recommend it because there are <laughs> language issues, but he just did one with Jim Carrey that I thought was pretty good. He's, he's there's, good. He's funny. There's the people fun, he brings on are funny. That's a, hey, that's an entertainment when you're on a long drive, right? Right. Um, there's also um, some of the, some of the limited shows, you know, they're not, these are not like shows that go on, but they're, they're um, seasonal, mm-hmm. um, episodal ones that are kind of fun to listen to um, and, and informative ones to listen to. Yeah. I really got into um, um, the, um, the radio lab that the spinoff about the Supreme Court. Oh yeah. That yeah. one was fantastic. Well, Radio Lab is great anyway, but yeah. But the spinoff about uh the, the Supreme Court was really those they've done two seasons now, I think. Mm. That's really great. <clears throat> I gotta I gotta listen to that one. I haven't did you had did you listen to the New York Times rabbit hole? I do once in a while. Once in a while. That one was um, good. That was well. That one was like seven episodes that took you through like PewDiePie and brought you up to oh, QAnon and all that. That, that yeah. Okay, sorry. I thought that was like a the, no. The, that one's just a, that's a special feature, I think. Yeah. Anyway, there's there's a lot of good content out there. Um, so the fact that people have found us in the midst of that con- content and have uh, found it listenable and <laughs> that's amazing. I you know. I think it's I think it's just people who know us. I'm pretty sure. Um, I think so, mostly people yeah. who are connected to us through our ministries in some way that just want to keep hearing our soothing voices. <laughs> yeah, but no, I, look, you know, in all truth, I think the reason why some people tuned in, especially early on in the pandemic crisis, is because then everything seems so upended. For us, it was a time for you and I to stay connected. Yeah. Right? Um, but everything seemed so upended. Maybe we're in some way, giving people a sense of normalcy, maybe a sense of... Yeah, that's what people say about this podcast. Well, it's so normal. <laughs> it's made me feel like the world is fine and things are normal again. Is that what people say? Because I feel like that's... <laughs> hey, Tim, so yeah. here's a pivot. Okay, you ready for a masterful, professional, great pivot? Yeah, and I feel like telling everyone that it's coming is part of that professionalism. A few moments ago, you referenced problems with your hearing. Yes, that's very good. Yeah. And now one would assume that your hearing issues, which I'm not making light of, by the way, because they're very, they're serious. I'm experiencing my own set of uh, hearing issues, as you and I have talked before about. Um, One would assume that it's because of your, the hard rock and roll life that you led in your youth. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. but that's not really what this is about, right? Your your hearing problems are not related to that. They're Which not really my related. way. They're pressure related, but mm. not blood pressure related. They're water pressure related. But yes, people would think that because I spent some time playing 
in the rock and roll industry. The rock music, the music of the <laughs> rock. That um, that's where it comes from. It's actually not because that would roll off a lot more of my high end hearing, and that mm. seems to be fine. So that's why I can hear you fine, but I can't hear Jay. <laughs> you, you can hear my above two hundred hertz whiny. <laughs> Yeah. Same as a mosquito buzzing around which your is, ear kind of sound. Which is so, such a blessing. Uh, really. <laughs> yeah. Hey, but, so, so you, you, we've talked, we've, we've often on this podcast referenced our history, our past in rock and roll. Mm-hmm. And I think we just assume that people who listen to this podcast know what we're talking about. But Well, because um, they're students of, of Tim and Sam. They've probably looked okay. us up on Wikipedia. They've found out. <laughs> All they want to know about our lives. Yes, we have referenced it though. Yes, keep going. But I think today's the day we decided to actually um, take you, listener, dear listener, on a journey. On a musical journey. A journey that will explain in detail, no rock left unturned, where we come from musically, why we keep talking about our musical background, the two of us. Um, and at the end of this journey with us, you will have every answer to every question you've asked about us in our in our musical past but i do want to begin before our shared journey tim Mm. i want to go way back to your where you began as a buddy musician in southern california in the la music scene i I feel like saying that we were in the la music scene was a little generous did you did you play in la this is this is what musicians always do if you were near somebody of note or a city that's musical, you say, back in the days when I was in the Nashville scene, which may have meant that you drove on I-40 past Nashville. <laughs> right. <laughs> and sang, hummed a tune. I'm part of the scene. Um, yeah. So, so I grew up, I, you know, when I started listening to music, I immediately, for some reason, began to think of myself as playing music. So I always loved music. I always loved um, live music. I can tell you the first song I ever heard on the radio. Have I told wow. you this before? No. Yep. It was the Alan Parsons Project, The Eye in the Sky. I am oh, the eye in the sky, one. looking at you. And I remember people being like, they're talking about the devil. I was like, That's really? great. But I feel like a lot of people just say every song is about the devil. So I feel like we give him way too much music. <laughs> some of it. And he gets some of it. But anyway, I remember that. And I remember that's a great thinking, song. Wait, quick, quick interruption. That's a great song, by the way. Yeah. It used to be, that's, I love that song. That was the and first song I heard on the radio. And if you, Google, if you Google a little bit about this song, you'll find that there's been some accusations. Well, I think well-founded that a band called Lady Antebellum, which they've changed their name now due to the current atmosphere, may have plagiarized it. Really? Oh, go search this. I haven't listened uh, to Lady Antebellum. I think they're just Lady now. I think you're I think right. I think they're just Lady. Um, lady A. Lady A, right, yes. Um, there's, a, there's, a song, there's a song that, that catapulted them to stardom, one of their songs, that is the Alan Parsons' Eye in the Sky song, basically. Uh, Wow. So anyway, continue. Continue. Um, Sorry. So so anyway, from the beginning, I just, I realized like, I want to perform music. I want to figure that out. So didn't play an instrument, took guitar lessons, classical guitar lessons for a little while. That was a hot mess. Um, The guy, all he did was talk about his fingernails, (laughs) like how you grow your fingernails. I'm sure he was a phenomenal guitarist, but it just didn't really resonate with me. (laughs) Anyway, um, so that was an unfulfilled dream until I got into college. And then, then I went, 
what did I do? First year, last year, second year PUC. Then I went as a student missionary to Majro. And I met this guy named Dan Siapko. Who, I know Dan. Yeah, Dan's a super awesome guy. Dan and yeah. Wendy. Yeah, they're up in North... Northwest. Yeah, they're in the Pacific Northwest. Yeah, yeah. Um, anyway, this dude, he was on the island with me and he knew how to play guitar. Like, he was good. He was good. Yeah. In fact, he later on played in the band... Clarence and the Neon Iguanas. The Neon, what a great, great name, great band. Yeah, they were such great guys. I mean, they are such great guys, though. They're all, yeah. Um, but, but, um, so I just was able to sit with him for a year and kind of learn how to play like he played um, guitar. And so when I came back, uh, first thing I wanted to do was start a band because I could play guitar now. Um, couldn't write music or anything. And so I sat down with this buddy named Thomas Zurich, who's a public health nurse in San Diego now actually and um and we started playing music together and he was like a big johnny cash fan and like um um not not suicidal tendencies he was social distortion he was a big social distortion fan so like really simple rock and roll and i remember we're writing this we're writing this song and we got to the chorus about what ultimately would be the chorus and he goes hey what's next and I was like, what? I don't, what do you mean? And he's like, what's next in the song? And I was like, I don't, I have no idea. And he goes, well, just decide. And that became my music writing mantra. <laughs> just decide mm -hmm. what it's supposed to be. Cause I'd never done it before. And so we played and the very first show that we ever played was at the Whiskey A Go Go on the Sunset Strip. What is that for the, the uninitiated? Um, there's a few bands on the sunset or a few venues on the sunset strip that are kind of legendary. And one is the, um, one is the, the whiskey go, go is one of them. The Roxy is one of them. The rainbow room is one of them as well. Yeah. Um, and these are all kind of famous. The whiskey go, go and the Roxy were really big sixties into the seventies. The doors played there and all like everybody's played at the whiskey if they play in LA. So that was our first show. And I mean, we, we under what, what name under what name the grazers that's i love it i love it that the way you said that there's just so much so much to talk about i've done so many good things in my life <laughs> but naming bands is not one of them and what happened was i remember we had been playing we've been practicing down in san diego because that's where thomas lived and me and my buddy steve ag who's now um he's a full-time comedian and you've seen him on a lot of different shows actually um New Girl and um, American Housewife and a bunch of different shows. Anyway, he um, he uh, he called the whiskey. He's like, I'm going to get us a show. And so he calls the whiskey as we're driving up from San Diego. And he books a show. And he's basically like, yeah, we're going to bring 100 people in, which I don't, nobody knew we were actually a band. So he was a little lying there. Um, <laughs> he got us a show 7 o'clock on a Tuesday at the Whiskey A Go Go. And wow. we had never played a show and we didn't really have any songs. And so in the next two weeks, we had to write, I don't know, we wrote like 12 songs because it was a 40-minute set, which we had no business playing. <laughs> and we played, we begged, begged, begged fans, <laughs> begged friends is what it was, to come and, and watch us at 7 o'clock on a Tuesday with a $15 cover. Wow. At the Whiskey A Go-Go. And that was our first show. And they invited us back. I think we played there three or four times. We played the Roxy. Um, we, we were, we, you know, we didn't know what we were doing. We had never, none of us had really been in a band before. And we just started to figure it out. And then we played for the next year and a half, two years. We played th almost three shows a week at every 
gross little club you could think of. I mean, we played in places where um, <laughs> we played in the seediest places. And I'm this little, you know, Seventh-day Adventist kid who's, you know, never been to a bar before. I was barely 21. And um, we're playing these. I mean, we, I remember one time this club owner comes out with a gun on his hip. And like, as we're moving our stuff in, he's like, hurry, hurry, hurry. And I'm like, what, what's happening? He's like, well, people, you know, they steal people's stuff out here all the time. Oh, wow. Yeah. And, uh, um, so we, we played all over the Inland Empire, um, in Orange County. We played a lot down in San Diego at the Casbah and at Bodie's, which were two big venues at that point, like Stone Temple Pilots had played there and, and Lucy's Fur Coat and some of those things. Um, and then we played, we played LA and then we played a bunch of shows here in the Inland Empire. Harry C's was a big place that everybody mm. was playing and like the the bands at the time in this area were like voodoo glow skulls and the bands that were on dr strange love records and they all went on to do great things and we did nothing um <laughs> but yeah man so so yeah we um played a lot of shows it was a lot of fun kind of learned how to work a crowd learn how to adjust when the crowd's like mm. yelling at you and throwing stuff at you and spitting on you because not all not all the venues were great, and this may come as a shock to some people who thought like I was just a pastor. I I, I told this one time in a class because somebody was asking my history, so I, I told them some of this stuff. And um, man, I there's a person in it who was you know very conservative or whatever complained that all I was doing was talking about my sordid past. Mm. My sordid past was not all that sordid, um, mm. but. But anyway, so yeah, did that for a couple of years. And then um, on, a, on a Tuesday after a Monday night show, I got three job offers to be a pastor. And so... <laughs> so this, this is your, your, basically your college years. You yeah. spent it playing CD, CD joints in LA and the Southern California area. Did yeah. you have a following by then? You know, we... Yeah, oddly, we had some people who would... We had one guy, I remember this one guy, who kept showing up at, at shows. And, you know, mainly when it was in the Inland Empire and stuff, it was our friends that would show up. That was pretty cool. Um, when we play other places, not too many people would get to know. And this is like pre-website, right? So nobody could find out any mm -hmm. information about us. So I never knew. Like, we'd print flyers and put them around different places and whatever. Um, but then um, there was this one dude who would show up all the time. And he had this big bull ring in his nose. Like a like a two like a two gauge bull ring in his nose, and I remember I was in a bathroom one venue and he comes walking in and I was like, "Hey man, like I see you a lot." And he's like, "Dude, you guys are my favorite band." And I was like, "How do you find out where we're playing?" Because sometimes like we don't know and we don't really advertise. And he was like, "Dude, I'm just hooked in. I know like all the venues. The guys will call me when you're coming to play." So we had one fan. <laughs> that sounds like a fan and a little creepy too. It was a little weird. I know where you live. I watch you sometimes when you're getting home. <laughs> it was strange, but it was cool, you know? It was cool. Mm -hmm. So so yeah, we did that. And then I got hired to be a pastor and I basically figured we wouldn't be playing music anymore because A, I didn't know there was such a thing as a Christian music scene. I thought that was, I literally thought that that was Michael W. Smith and Amy Grant and I wasn't super interested. So I figured, well, I guess I'm doing camp music from now on. And uh, you know, I will give this, I'll give this to the Lord. This is my sacrifice <laughs> I gave to You're, Jesus. That was that was in the well, the the music, the contemporary Christian is that what they called it? In those right. days, music scene was not really hadn't exploded yet. But the, but you were into it. You knew you knew big bands. time, 
big time. I knew names. I knew producers. I knew the whole industry. Yeah, man. I I subscribed to the magazines, the Christian Contemporary Music Magazine. (laughs) I could tell you, I could tell you who's playing on a track just by listening to the style of their their guitar playing. Wow. Not even looking. Yeah, it was that was weird. Yes. And all the and ones that probably, were produced, all the ones that were produced by Charlie Peacock, because he was the only one who was producing everybody's music <laughs> at the time. Well, he was the best, right? He so was there, good. There were, it was the the whole music industry was split into Charlie Peacock, Nashville sound, or Gaither, Indiana sound. Or there was Southern Tooth Gospel. and Nail. There was Tooth and Nail out here in Southern California because we would was. play shows, and like I remember, there was this band called Wish for Eden that they played, and yes. I was like, dude, I love these guys. Super heavy, super like they sounded kind of like Helmet. Um, or kind of like pre-early Deftones. And I was like, dude, who are these guys? So I went to meet him backstage. I, I met the guy and we were chatting and, and he, he mentioned La Sierra University. And I was like, what? Wait a second, what? And he's like, yeah, I went to La Sierra University. I don't go anymore. And I was like, how, how did you really? No, he, had, he had an SCA background, odd, oddly. Interesting. And, and then like we were not quote unquote a Christian band, whatever. That, that was not something we were claiming at the time. Um, and he was like, yeah, I'm, a, I'm actually a Christian band. I was like, oh, wow. And he's like, yeah, I'm on Tooth and Nail Records. Have you ever heard of them? Mm. And I was like, no, I don't know what that is. Because we were going after kind of, you know, larger label kind of stuff um, going after. Tooth and Nail was the edgy. They were the but edgy Yeah, they were the, the edgy Christian yeah. music. I had no idea. That was like chatting with this guy was like the first time I realized like, oh, there's Christian music that's not, that's not Bill Gaither, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So then what happened? So, so you... You basically quit the. What did the other members of the band? Was anyone in the band thinking this is my future? And then you get a job as a pastor and you announce it's over. Yeah, they weren't. Was it? Was that like a? Was it like a band meeting? They weren't happy by any means. How Um, did you announce it? So one became an archaeologist. Our drummer became an archaeologist and then a lawyer. That's a weird. Like he actually became an archaeologist and was doing archaeology for like construction companies before they'd go into a place to build. He'd do archaeology to see if there was like, that's fascinating to me. And then he ended up in law school. And so he's a lawyer now, um, Nathaniel, mm. he's a lawyer. And then, um, so I don't know that Thomas ever took it that seriously. Thomas just liked to play. Mm. Tom, Thomas, I'd be like, hey man, why are you in a band? And he'd always be like, well, I, I like to play. And he's still to this day, like to this day, he's now got a band that does like very obscure B-sides of like 1940s country music. Like they do, they actually dress in, they dress in like country, like it's hilarious, but, and he has all this vintage guitars and all that. I think Steve, Steve ended up going, Steve Agee ended up going to the Musicians Institute in LA. And I mm. think he thought that that might be his trajectory. And then he got into comedy and I think he did some stuff, the groundlings and um, then, and he spent the last 25 years and he's been in, um, he's been in uh, Guardians of the Galaxy. He's, mm. he's currently, I believe, the uh, physical actor for uh, the new um, James Gunn Suicide Squad. Um, mm, he finished. Mm. He finished doing that. I went to Atlanta and hung out with him at Pinewood Studios uh, before the COVID. Before the COVID mm. happened. Um, so yeah, he's made a living in the entertainment industry. But yeah, I just I was like, hey, I just got hired to be a pastor. I'm going to seminary. And after I explained to them what seminary was, um, <laughs> I was like, I don't think I can, I don't think I can do this anymore. We're going to have to, we're going to have to stop. And we had, I think everybody was a little done anyway. <clears throat> Two years mm. of never making any money. Mm. Oh, you didn't make money? No. 
dude, club owners, it was horrible. You'd go, they'd promise you 50 bucks or, you know, a percentage of the door. And that was back in the day in LA when it was pay to play. So they'd give you 200 tickets that you'd have to pay for. And then you'd have mm-hmm. to try and sell those 200 tickets. And, you know, we were, we were naive enough that the first time they, they, they told us that they were like, okay, you have to guarantee 200 tickets. We were like, no, no. Mm-hmm. We just said no, because we knew we couldn't bring 200 people in. And we brought enough people in that first gig that they didn't make us do pay-to-play anymore. So we never actually did pay-to-play, which was nice. You had, you had cassettes, because I have one. Yeah, you always did. you do. make a big sales of cassettes? No, dude, we never the grazers. We had, a, I think, a T-shirt. Like, I think one. One guy mm. had a T-shirt that he made. And, so- and the, the guy who wrote our, the guy who wrote our, or drew our, or it was a cow for the grazers, of course. Um, Kevin Uke was his name, and he became an animator for Disney, I think. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So we got. See, your your members were catapulted. The, their careers catapulted by your early music. Uh, yeah, I like to say that that had something to do with us. So yeah, it, you know, um, I had to tell the band I was leaving. I was going to seminary, um, and then you know got married and went to seminary and figured everything cool I had ever done would be like a story for a podcast in 2020. <laughs> That's kind of where, I mean, that was the trajectory, certainly. Um, yeah, this is for a very sure. Diminished view of the music, <laughs> what the music scene in the Christian world. I just didn't know there was one. I honestly, like that was not a, worldview that I had. Cause I had grown up like in, in high school, we'd gone, we had this, this club called, it wasn't a club. It was a deli called Spanky's and they would do all ages show. And so we would go there and like, we saw no doubt and let's go bowling. It was all like ska and that sort of thing. Um, and mm-hmm. punk. So saw like operation Ivy and millions of dead cops and, um, which I don't support, but, um, it, all these bands from all these other areas that were playing these little clubs and going around as a big DIY scene. And so I got to see all that kind of stuff. And, um, so I just love live music and I figured mm-hmm. going to seminary and be, it was confirmed once I got to seminary, that will not be my life anymore. <laughs> um, <clears throat> all right. Then what happened in seminary? Um, this describe, we're still in the early years. So describe, Describe the next phase of your musical career. Okay, I have to credit Professor Baldwin for making the band happen. Let me explain to you why. I get to seminary and the first week there, this professor shows up at my doorstep. My doorstep. I don't know how he knew where I lived. And he's like, hi, I'm Professor Baldwin. If you remember, he had that low, super crazy deep voice. Beautiful voice. He's like, I understand that you are Dr. Bailey Gillespie's son. I was like, yeah. And he's like, Dr. Bailey Gillespie is a singer. I was like, hmm. Among other things, but yes, he does sing. <laughs> He's he was like he was like so. I'd like to invite you to be in the seminary choir. And I was like mm. in graduate school, not junior high. Like I'm not gonna <laughs> be in the choir. That's that dude was relentless. He hit me up every day until finally I was like, okay, fine, like fine, I'll I'll be in your choir for seminary. And then we got there, and it was as bad as that sounds. Oh, it was great. I remember watching you singing in that. It was yeah, awesome. Yeah, it was embarrassing. It was, <laughs> it was horrific. No, super nice people. Anyway, I ended up sitting next to this guy who oddly, and this is a stupid little thing, he oddly had the same plaid shirt that I, was, that I had, um, mm-hmm. but his plaids were smaller. So it was a point of something we could talk about. And we started chatting. 
and we started talking about music and um turned out he had been in a band um before mm. and his name was Roy Ice mm. and so we started talking about maybe we should play music together or something and so he brought his drum kit which at the time was in a was a a full kit that had been muffled and he put electronic triggers on everything so that it could be just an electronic kit even though it looked like a real drum set which my punk ethos when he brought that in i was like what <laughs> is happening because he's like look i can make it sound like this and like make all these weird noises and i was like a punk kind of guy um so it was it, i don't know it was so we played in our in the basement for a little while just you know trying to put something together and um and then if you remember this steve yegley was doing a youth rally and he said yeah. we needed a band and there was this there was this quote-unquote big band at andrews yeah. I don't know if you remember them. I they do. Went, they went by the name of Creed. Yeah. And it's not the Creed you were thinking. Not of. the wrong Creed. Wrong Creed. It was a different yeah. Creed. And they were um they were a folk music band. Yeah. Yeah. And they played hammered dulcimer. It was an edgy folk music. Uh, was it edgy? Yes. Yeah, folk folk with an edge. <laughs> in a in distinctly Adventist lyrics. Yes, distinctly. Like do you remember that song, The Patience of the Saints? Patience of the Saints. Patience of the Saints. Da, yeah. da, 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 da. I'm not making yeah. fun of them. It I'm was, not either. It was, and it was a guy named Michael Connect. Yes. He was yes. in that band who, He's, and he had cool guitars and he had that hammered dulcimer and then he had yeah. a lap dulcimer, which were instruments I'd never heard of before. And I remember seeing them play <laughs> and I was like, no, I didn't know what that stuff was. Dude, I'm not, I'm not, from, you, I'm not from where you, you come from, Appalachia. You, you didn't have any experience in the Appalachian musical traditions. You had never seen a hammer dulcimer. I listened to bands called the Voodoo Glow Skulls. So, <laughs> yeah, they didn't have a lot of hammered dulcimer in their music. It was ska core is what they called it. So, yeah, whatever. Um, yeah, definitely, definitely, uh, definitely a different aesthetic, shall we say, musical aesthetic. Um, anyway, I remember seeing him play at Andrews and I was like, wow. Um, not that they were so good, but they were good, but because they were playing in front of people like, and it was, it was Christian music, I guess. And it was, it was cool. And they, they had gone down to Southern and played and then played at other places. And so I was Mm -hmm. like, oh man, that's so cool. So we asked, um, we asked Mike, Roy and I asked Mike and the bass player. Um, why am I forgetting his name right now? Jeff. Mm -hmm. Um, Jeff, who played a six-string bass. Yep. He was good. He was very good. He knew how to play lots of notes. Um, and so, Jeff, um, we asked them to come and play and put a little band together for this youth rally. And so we practiced. We learned a bunch of uh, praise music. That was kind of early in the praise music world. Basically, Vineyard was the only one who was doing anything. So mm-hmm. we figured all that stuff out. Um, and we, we, played this, we played this youth rally. And mm-hmm. if you remember... Well, I don't know if you were there. You were there, but um, Steve Yeagley came up to us and Randy Wisby, Dr. Randall Wisby, who was oh. the youth ministry uh, professor there, came yeah. up to us afterwards and were like, you guys should stay together. There's something here, which <laughs> I don't know if there was. I'm not sure that there was. But So we decided we would stay together, but these guys were in another band, but mm. apparently they were about ready to leave that band. Oh, yeah, I, in, in interband politics, you know, dramas. Being in a band is a mixed bag for sure. But they were having some sort of issue, and they—I think they wanted to play like heavier music. You know, mm. they were tired of the folk aesthetic, and so 
Um, so yeah, we joined the band. That was the four of us. Uh, Roy Ice on drums, Michael Connect on guitar. I played guitar a little bit and sang. And um, Jeff, why am I forgetting his last name right now? Do you remember it? No. Shoot. We'll, we'll come up with that. And I'm Jeff, I'm sorry. If you're listening to this, uh, <laughs> I apologize. I don't know why I'm having a hard time remembering your last name right now. Um, he mm. went and worked for Adra ultimately. Um, and then he's, mm. I think he's back here in the United States now. But um, yeah. And so the first thing we decided to do was record an album, which was a it's horrible like choice. <laughs> But we did a first show. We got a show because Creed, because they had broken up, had a show that was scheduled. You broke them up. Andrews, I didn't break them up. I am not broke a them up. You, Yoko Ono'd Creed. I may, Continue. I may have. Um, so they had a show coming up in like a few weeks. And um, because they were no longer a band, these guys had left the band, they still had the gig. And so Andrews gave us the gig. We did not have a name. And so the first name we chose oh this is good i don't, I don't even want to say it no it's so bad sam we're <laughs> it's so bad and you have to explain to me how you experienced it because you at that point were not in the band <clears throat> but but we our first moniker was the electric Just fisherman say. the electric fisherman you're gonna laugh that hard. I want, oh, you, you, I want you to say it again, say it again. I, I interrupted it i the, ele- it again. the electric fisherman I don't even know what to say. <laughs> Such a bad name. Do you still have the poster? I have a poster. I don't. I don't. I have a poster and I've at times contemplated um, uh, burning at it? Time, contemplated uh, framing it and then uh, at times contemplated throwing it out. You need to keep it. It's actually not a bad name. You know, what, I, I, it wasn't what was the thinking behind the name? What was uh, the... Well, they were playing electric music now, so they were super excited about that. Yeah. you know, rock and roll. And then fishermen, like fishers of men, because we were all in seminary. Mm-hmm. Jeff wasn't in seminary. He was, a, I think, a history major. But um, yeah, so that's what we chose. And we didn't have a lot of time, so we just kind of had to choose. And, you know, choosing a band's a real, like the band name's a real thing. And yeah. we did not think about it enough, yeah. apparently. So so we did that first show at Andrews. And and you had a logo. You remember the little electrified little yep. fish hook logo? Yep. We had a, a logo and we had we yeah. had a, a record company that we put together to yeah, make it seem it? like we were legit. What was the record company? 8029 20, 80, records. Yeah. No. Is yeah, that which, it? Yeah, it was 27. 8027. Why did we choose that? Well, you tell me. It's actually really good. I, I actually like the name. That's when Jesus started his ministry, right? Right. Exactly. Is that one? Yeah. Now, it, it wasn't a real record label. We made that up <laughs> but <laughs> but you know oddly it stayed our record label name for a while um yeah so we did a show and if you remember all the power went out oh i i was there because you know this may be a good time to introduce yes let's introduce sam into into the, into the narrative sam i was the biggest fan the <laughs> biggest fan of the electric now, fisherman i, I always thought it was believe. a joke I always thought no. it was a joke. Were well, you were you like it, legit? Like you thought it was kind of cool, or were you just like making fun of us? Because it felt like you were making fun of us. I, <laughs> there was there was ninety percent legit fanhood because I thought you guys were so cool, and a little bit of fun because there's got to always be someone in the crowd being unruly, um, heckling. Uh, which was and you? It, well, a lot. I, you know. 
if you go to any concert, you're going to enjoy it. It's got to be some guy. Well, <laughs> if you come from the world, people right. who have had too much to drink and make the, the experience a little funny. Mm -hmm. uh, but because we're all in a, in, a, in a Christian context, there was no one doing that. And I thought, I'm going to be that guy. Um, I, I'm going to be wanna, the guy. Had you ever been to a, a quote unquote secular show? Well, I had, I had been to one or two. Okay. One or two. Not, I did not come from your experience. No. Well, no, sir. Um, I had seen you two once in concert. Okay. That was a nice. big rebellious night. I mean, <laughs> that was, that was a big, that was a big one. Wow. Um, and I'm not going to tell you who else I had seen uh, in oh. concert because I don't want you to mock me. Who? No, tell me. I'm not going to say it. I, I already told you. I introduced, I introduced the thought by saying I'm not going to tell you. So I know, but you should. That's not fair. Garth Brooks. There you have it. Oh, yeah, I was going to make fun of that. There you have it. Um, <laughs> I thought you were going to say like <laughs> Iron Maiden. <laughs> no. Garth that Brooks. world was that world was forbidden. Oh, dude. I went and saw Metallica. Oh, Metallica, yeah. they were straight at, from the, at the cow bowels of hell. At the Cow Palace. It was a show that they were doing in their hometown, four and a half hours of Metallica. Wow. That was a lot of Metallica. It's <laughs> <laughs> a lot of them. They played the whole and Justice for All album as a medley at one shot. They played for like 52 minutes without saying anything. And it felt like just the same song. <laughs> Like it was a lot. I, mean, I lost a shoe. They, I lost a shoe at that concert. I don't even. I don't even want to do things I enjoy for four hours. I know I it think. was too much. It was too much. And I, you know, I was a late, late bloomer to Metallica. Like I was definitely one of the Black Album fans. I was like, oh, mm -hmm. Inter Sandman, let's play that one. And uh, then they played, you know, all the <laughs> other stuff. And I was like, oh, this is horrible. Um, anyway. No, so yeah, so you were a huge heckler at our concerts. We had a song that we used the gourd, a gourd. Yeah, that was you. You, were, was ask, Ill, you were asking for ill-conceived choice, and and in between every song, all you would yell is "Play the gourd, play the gourd." <laughs> <laughs> and everyone would laugh, and we're like, "Shut ah, up, Sam! We only uh, have one song with a gourd," which we did. We had an African thumb piano, and I played it. African and it traveled thumb. with us. It traveled with us for a solid two years. Really? Until I, yeah, until I lost it. I just. <laughs> I can't believe you made that. <laughs> that to me was that. The highlight of your shows. Really? That was That's the highlight. Yeah. How, you pulled low, out the... how low was that bar? <laughs> <laughs> I also remember that night you're, you're talking about when the power went out that Steve Yaley, who we've mentioned here now three times, I think, who was a a youth pastor in a church nearby we were all serving with. We were all interns of his, basically. Right, right. Um, and, and he was incredibly supportive. He was also teaching some youth ministry classes at the seminary. Steve's a great guy. One of the most brilliant people I know. Exactly, yes. And he also that night volunteered to go turn the, turn the power on, um, right. figure out how to turn back the power, which, you know, with all of the ampage you were drawing from the you you... You caused the power supply to crash. That's what happened. But to be fair, their gym was probably 150 years old yes. and wired together with like baling wire and not, like just like pieces of metal. Not wired for rock and roll music. The pioneers no. did not have what you were doing, desecrating that gym the way you were doing it that well, night. That and we not... thought someone had sabotaged it, right? Because it was back <laughs> in the day, right? We thought someone had sabotaged this rock, Christian rock concert. And then I, all I remember is that Steve, I remember Steve running with 
the big power cable running to the back door to the back room. There was like this power room and I'm up front trying to like lead a worship tune or something. I don't remember just trying to keep people interested. Yes. And, and Steve's in there and I see the light. There's like a flashlight and I see this light. And then all of a sudden I see this huge shower of sparks. Yes. Were you there for that? Oh no, I was, I, I went to help Steve. Okay. Oh wow. With my deep knowledge of electrical systems. <laughs> I thought <laughs> that's an ill-conceived choice. <laughs> I thought I'm going to help because I want to hear more gourd. So I ran <laughs> to help Steve, and as I was reaching the closet where he was, the shower of sparks you're describing happened. Yeah, because didn't the door like swing back and it was a metal door handle or something? What was it? I have no clue what happened. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know the details. All I know is that this cascade of shower of fire lands mm -hmm. on Steve's head. Oh my God. And he can't, oh no, yeah. And he can, he can confirm this. He came <laughs> running out of that closet, slapping his head, <laughs> trying to put out whatever fire had landed in his head, which, which just made the whole thing even more. Look, if you were, if you were against the music you were playing that night, it was the narrative went like this. Steve Yeagley had fire land on his head and he came out beating demons out of his head <laughs> a, a, like a music induced uh, frenzy of ju just catastrophe shoo. it was a no, catastrophe was, that whole concert was kind of a mess i'm not gonna lie like, i it loved a, it it was a i loved mess. it though i loved it it was great it was i mean we had a good time there's a few hundred people there i don't know it was a few hundred people. people and it was i think it was i think there was a pivotal something pivotal happened that night not just on that campus but um, with people who were present, there was um, a, a new way of thinking about this kind of music. Uh, I don't think it had happened, if ever, um, in, a, in that kind of context. Wow. Like, this was a, for me, it was a, um, oh, okay, so this is possible. Really? Even if you didn't enjoy the music, even if you thought it was good, whatever. It was, it was a, it was a, earth-shaking shift for me personally. I know for a lot of people who are present there too. Really? Yeah. Really? That's, yeah. that's really, that's news to me. That's interesting. Well, and I think that, you know, I suspect there were other people in the audience too who saw it as a possibility and went on to make really great music. Right. Like really, really great music. The Plan C guys, you know, remember oh, yeah. those guys? The, the Zork brothers and Eliah, Eliah King. Yeah. Um, the, I, I think um, well, the work that, that Steve did yeah. um, in supporting this kind of music and pushing for it. And Randy. Uh, and Randy, Randy Randall Wisby. Yeah. Randall, sorry. Yeah. Um, they, they, and just the, the spectacle of, of this happening in that place was definitely a, a historic moment. That's I think. A, they also kicked us off campus. Yes. Yeah, they never exactly. let us play there again. Right. <laughs> <laughs> which tells you what you know that the, um they were not ready they yeah. were not prepared for the shift that was coming and just for the record i didn't know that we were doing any of that um i was just trying really hard to remember the lyrics to songs that i had written maybe six hours before <laughs> really? honest to god like i didn't i i i didn't know First of all, I didn't know there was this genre, so I thought we were kind of making it up. I learned from you very much, you know, uh, through the time that there's, hey, there's bands doing this and there's whole, you know, there's a whole music genre and that sort of thing. I didn't really know that. And then secondly, like I just wanted to, I wanted to perform again. I wanted to be able to be up in front of an audience because that was something that, um, th that was always very natural to me and very 
um you know, it just, mm-hmm. I always felt comfortable up on a stage for whatever reason. I think it stems from like, I remember Idaho camp meeting when I was like six and my family singing together, the four of us singing in four part harmony. Um, mm. And so I think I just kind of grew up with like, people should, people should hear what I do <clears throat> for some reason. I don't know how that ethos <laughs> got, got put in my heart, but um, so, so that show was, that show was great. We had a great time. And then immediately we were like, let's record an album. Hmm. which we had no business doing and no funding for at all. I don't know. And so we be, started looking. Be, because in those but, days, it took a lot of money to record. A, well, yeah, because you had to record to like two-inch tape and you had to get it mastered and all this stuff was done. In a studio, like, a in proper a, studio. In a proper, proper studio. Like there was no computers that were going to do it. Forget it. There was not even a thing like an MP3. Like yeah. those did not actually yeah. exist at the time. And so, yeah, so we gathered some money together and I think possibly... Mike had some money from Creed and that's how that happened. I don't know. That could be wrong. Mike might have to, because I'm sure Mike listens to this. I guarantee you someone who does not listen to this is Michael Connect. (laughs) (laughs) He's got got way more important things to do right now. Yeah, he is now CEO of a hospital or I think maybe a system in uh, Kansas City. Um, He has far surpassed his trajectory in the band. (laughs) We'll say it that way. Um. So, yeah, so that's kind of the, that's how it started. That's pretty yeah. much how it began, which is, you know, this is a longer story. We're going to have to cut this up into chapters, I suppose. Yeah, we are definitely because we're just, the first chapter is riveting, but what comes next, dear listener, what comes next? <laughs> it gets better. So, so we're going to call this one, the electric fisherman, the early years. Well, we should early months, early, the early years, no parentheses, no parenthetical, the gracers, not, nothing like that. In there. I know, the gracers. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we can, I, you know, the truth is we don't name these things. I just hand them off to people and they do the editing and put a name on it. <laughs> so I don't know what they're going to call it. Um, and I don't think they listen to them, so they're not going to hear this part, but, um, mm. yeah, man, it's a pretty fascinating conversation. And if, if the audience, if our dear listeners will indulge us, we'll spend a little more time because you are coming up in the, like, I not know. just as a spectator, but as you were brought into, well, I'm not going to foreshadow. I will feature prominently in chapter two, season two of this season. Two. Yes. Wow. <laughs> it just got bigger. It's a whole season now. All right. Well, listen, friends, uh, family, um, and the other guy that listens. Thank you so much. For... <laughs> hey, by the way, have you ever walked in and your wife listening to this podcast? Oh yeah, definitely. That's yeah. That's it's, weird it's because because I'll start talking to her and she's like, shh, shh, shh. Yeah. And I'm like, but it's, it's me. Like I can just tell you what we talked about. And she's like, no, 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 this is better. I, I'd rather not talk she'll, to you. She'll be in a, she, she'll have her AirPods on she'll be doing something else. I'm like, hey, are you on a call? She's like, no, I'm listening to you and your podcast. <laughs> That's like, weird. I'm like, oh, you can pause that. Yeah, definitely. Right. <laughs> That's funny. All right. Well, listen, uh, this is Sam and Sam. Sam and Tim, I'm um, talking, <clears throat> talking about music in the band and all that kind of stuff. So we'll come back for a second episode for this. But Sam, you have a great day. Don't work too hard. You. Uh, you. Those of you who are listening, um, don't work too hard. Just work harder than you are.